This is the Casper and Chris podcast. From News Talk KBOI, Boise. For your Google Play, simply say, hey Google, play 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Thirty-eight degrees in downtown Boise. It is a Monday, six oh six, as we get underway for another week. First time, uh, my, how much drive into work changes in just a week? Oh yeah, um, first Easy time today. Yeah, first time in over a week that there was absolutely no problems, unless you have problem driving in the rain because it is coming down hard out there in some areas of the Treasure well, Valley this not morning. Particularly slippery though. That's good. no, it's thirty-eight degrees. So, and that's. Right around where our overnight low is going to be um, for most of the week. I noticed something odd about the Dow, by the way. Yes. Uh, there's a number after it. It looks like it's 38. Mm-hmm. Why? Wow, I've never seen that before. No, because you <laughs> never have seen it before. If you want to take a look at the S&P, um, if you see that number. Yeah, 4,889. There's another number you have never mm-hmm. seen before. NASDAQ's at 17,000. That number you've seen before. Yes, I have. S&P and uh, Dow both hit record highs on Friday. So if you're going to check your 401k and you haven't done so in a while, now might be a good time to do it because you, it could make you happy as you get mm-hmm. under with your underway with your week. If you don't have a 401k, just check somebody else's. Yeah. That way you can still be happy. If you're a hacker, I mean. NASDAQ futures uh, are up this morning. 125 points. Looks like we could continue that run up again today, at least uh, here about an hour and a half uh, ahead of the opening. Across the board, pretty much up. Uh, Bitcoin, uh, Ethereum, the digital coins, uh, however, mm-hmm. are down this morning. Yeah. Bit- Bitcoin's down, uh, look, looks like a little less than 2%. NASDAQ futures, by the way, are up nearly as much as the Dow at 121 points. So mm-hmm. we'll keep an eye on that. Um, some of the things we'll be talking about this morning uh, have to do um, with finances and we'll be checking in with jeremiah bates coming up here next hour um we talked about layoffs and salser closing yeah this week we're going to talk a little bit more about that this morning get a little more in depth what can that mean for the economy of the treasure valley because you're talking about over 400 jobs you're talking over 100,000 people who will not have to find a new doctor mm-hmm. um well, a new organization a new clinic you know, unless everything. it gets sold well, now, true. Yeah, they are still working on that. However, they have a very limited a time. It's either got to be sold or it will come to the business being closed in March. So it doesn't matter if they haven't sold. They're not going to, hey, we're going to try and sell this and we'll go as long as we can. No, they've already announced a, a drop dead date in March. Mm. So um, as of March, there will be no more Salser Health Group. Um, some of the employees could be picked up and clients could be picked up. If it is sold, but so far, no even rumors on that. Um, also, an announcement yesterday, this is going to tie kind of into that. And um, also, what we see possibly coming into the year with jobs, Macy's allowed over, or announced over 2,300 uh, layoffs yesterday, and they're going to be closing dozens of stores nationwide. Mm-hmm. In a uh, purge, I don't know if the stores being closed are going to continue to be stores where theft continues to be very, very high. They've already had closed some stores in the San Francisco area due to theft, um, or if this is going to be kind of a general just 
wherever a store is not doing well, they're going to say, see ya. They can't blame it on theft everywhere, I guess. No. Um, No word yet on where those closings will be, if Boise might be on the block, because, of course, we have uh, Macy's outlets here. That was some of the things we'll talk about having to do with uh, finances. Um, Other big news uh, kind of ties into a prediction that I made uh, Mm -hmm. last week when I said Ron DeSantis is going to have a big decision here soon. Mm -hmm. He did. Does he continue, or does he acquiesce and get behind Donald Trump and on Sunday, so that he can continue to be a leader in the upcoming election in four years? Sunday morning, he dropped out. Yeah, officially dropped out. Said he doesn't see a path forward to be able to win the nomination, so it was best to just... I think if he had plenty of money, he probably would have stayed in. I don't think so. You don't uh, think so? I don't think... I think... And I, this is, once again, I don't have any inside information. I think GOP leadership goes, look, you need to get behind. You're going to be the guy we pick here in four years. It's not going to be whether Donald Trump wins or not. It's going to be you. You're going to become the face. Right now, Donald Trump's the face of the party. But if you want to be the face of the party, you got to get behind Donald Trump, which, by the way, with all the fighting and bickering back and forth, he, he did yesterday and said he uh, oh, yeah, supports yes. Donald Trump. Yesterday, both of them only had nice things to say about each other. Donald Trump, we'll see. Donald Trump said he will never, ever again call Ron DeSantis Ron DeSanctimonious. Like I said. Well, that's a good start, I guess. We, yeah. we, we will see. And that also ties into a little other news that we have. We've been talking about how old our two candidates are, what that can mean when it comes to being the leader, not just the leader of the U.S., but the leader of the free world. Um. You know, we've we've talked about the lapse of memory for Joe Biden, and we have to do the same thing for Donald Trump after something he said this weekend um, when he completely confused two people. And it's two people about the only thing they have in common was that they're females. <laughs> That's that. I mean, and they both have. Well, they Black both, hair. They I both guess. have names to start with N. That's well, something. yeah, I guess, I guess uh, you can throw that in there. Uh, but Donald Trump, not once, not twice, one them, one multiple them, times. One of them doesn't really have black hair. Come to think of it, probably <laughs> neither one of them really. Uh, he confused Nancy Pelosi with Nikki Haley. I, yeah. I mean, everybody does that all the time, right? That's not, no, not every, uh, no. It's hard to confuse the two, but. They, they, they don't come up together in conversation with me very often. <laughs> So we will. Their, their politics aren't the same. No, not, not even close. Uh, we will talk about that. The uh, New Hampshire primary just a couple days away. We'll give you some new polls out now that Ron DeSantis has uh, dropped out for New Hampshire. Uh, we were already told you last week he, he was horrible showing up in uh, New Hampshire polling. We'll see if that has changed. Uh, does it increase Nikki Haley? Does it increase Donald Trump? Um, we'll get to that coming up here for you this morning. Uh, and also we'll talk about sports, as we do every Monday. It's Bronco Monday. Bob Beeler will be with us from the road this morning because he is on the road for a game tomorrow. Here in Fresno. In Fresno. So we will be talking to him a huge, huge win on Saturday Um Oh, wow. Not not near as close as the final score did you, made it look. Now, did you have to go to the hospital after that last minute? Because I did. <laughs> um, they, they've got to get... It, it's weird. Like, oh, no. Oh, come on. Oh, no. no. Oh, no. Oh, it's, it's weird that they had been doing so great making their foul shots. And then all of a sudden, the last two games, I, I, the, the foul shooting cost them the game against UNLV. Uh-huh. And uh, they could have just 
salted the game away against San Diego State if they make their foul shots. And uh, unfortunately, they kept San Diego State with a really long shot of, well, of winning, but it, it, they still had a shot. Well, they, are, they, they were more into uh, drama, I guess. Yeah. Luckily, uh, San Diego State went on about a six-minute drought there oh, with, was, with about seven minutes to go. I, 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 was, I was so happy when uh, Boise State went up by four there at the end because mm-hmm. I knew if San Diego hits a three, which they did, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they'd, was, they'd, they'd still have to steal the inbounds pass, and they didn't. It wasn't an easy three to hit either. They no. were about ten feet behind the three-point line, and it swished in. Yeah, they, so. hit, they hit their last two, which was like, oh, where'd this team come from? Um, it was a big win. Oh, wait, San Diego. It was a big win for uh, Boise State because it gives them a fourth quad one win, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, is fifth best in the entire nation. First Mm -hmm. best in the uh, conference, fifth best best in the entire nation, um, tied for fifth. I think there's only um, like one or two wins, quad one wins, more than what Boise State has. It makes it considerably more likely that uh, they could end up in the NCAA tournament. And there are like six teams right now in the Mountain West, who have a good chance of being in the NCAA tournament. Quad one wins, by the way. Um, if you have four quad one wins in the past NCAA tournaments, you had about a 90% chance of making an at-large bid if you didn't win your conference championship. And Boise State is not done. They have lots more chances at quad one wins because you have six teams mm-hmm. who are considered quad one in the uh, Mountain West this year. So you just got to beat the teams like Fresno State and then uh, continue to hold home court, hopefully, against those quad ones and maybe steal another one or two on the road. Let's get a uh, check on what else is going on with sports. Lots of sports this weekend. It's brought to you by Pork Belly and Cuna. Uh, always there every morning very early to make everything from scratch. That's why it's so delicious. You get lots of it, too. They open up at 7 a.m. seven days a week, 7 a.m. to 2 p.m., Pork Belly and Cuna. Stanford women's basketball coach Tara Vanderveer Sunday set an all-time record for the most coaching wins in college basketball history, men's or women's. The Cardinal beat Oregon State 65-56, marking the 1,203rd victory in Vanderveer's career. That passes now-retired Duke men's coach Mike Krzyzewski, who finished his career with 1,202 wins. Vanderveer is in her 38th season at Stanford and 45th overall. She started her career as a head coach with the University of Idaho in 1978. Vanderveer coached two years for the Vandals and five years at Ohio State before moving to Stanford in 1985. There are just four teams remaining in the NFL playoffs, and those teams will meet six days from now to determine who goes to Super Bowl 58. Sunday, Detroit beat Tampa Bay 31-23 and Kansas City top Buffalo 27-24. The Lions move on to meet San Francisco in Santa Clara Sunday at 4.30 p.m. The 49ers beat Green Bay 24-21 Saturday. The Chiefs move on to face Baltimore in Baltimore Sunday in the early game at 1 o'clock. The Ravens took care of Houston 34-10 Saturday. Of the four remaining teams, Detroit is the only one who has never won or played in a Super Bowl. The Lions last won the NFL championship in 1957 in the pre-Super Bowl era. And by the way, they also won it in 53-52 and 1935. That's sports. Broadcasting from the Auto Ranch Group Studios on 93.1 FM and 670 AM, we are News Talk KBOI. 6.33. Boy, what a difference a week makes. And I'll tell you what, thank goodness you can say right now that the uh, polar vortex, that huge swath of cold air from the uh, Arctic is gone. 
because of the amount of rain that we are seeing today and the amount of rain that we'll see for the rest of the week because it would really be coming down with a lot of snow as of right now and our commute would be quite different um, if it was like it was last week about uh, 25 30 degrees colder than what it is right now i think last week at this time yeah last week at this time it was about zero so we're about 40 degrees warmer than we were good news at the same time two months to spring Hopefully, um, for the mountain areas, uh, not just for the ski resorts, but hopefully also for the amount of snow we uh, need to uh, not fall back into a drought that they continue to get pounded. I don't know if this is if it's warm enough. I mean, it's really warm right now. Um, now so usually the snow level rise to, rise to about five thousand feet, uh, but it could uh, if it gets much warmer than this. And we are expected about here for our high today. Um, as long as it stays snow in the mountains, uh, it'll be good. If it starts raining, that's not good this time of year because it'll start the melt and the runoff way too early. Um, coming up, uh, are you uh, ready for a fresh start, a better job, a new career? Do you work for Salser uh, Medical Group and uh, you, you think that you might not be employed after March? Well, you can join us coming up this week, 23rd. This will be happening coming up tomorrow from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Courtyard by Marriott um, for the free Idaho Job and Career Fair. Um, you'll be able to connect directly with recruiters who can fast-track your job search for months to minutes, explore over 50 employers offering hundreds of jobs across a multitude of industries. Season, first-time job seekers are all allowed to register now for free at IdahoCareerFair.com. That's IdahoCareerFair.com. Don't miss the opportunity to propel your career forward. Once again, this is going to be happening tomorrow uh, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., Idaho Job Fair, brought to you in part by News Talk KBOI. Be a part of the show at 336-3700 or toll-free 1-800-529-KBOI. Now, back to Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless if you want to uh, get through and take part in the show. Once again, that is uh, encouraged as it is every single day. You can even call us toll-free 1-800-529-5264. Or email chris at kboy.com, mike at kboy.com. Uh, you can also text us, which is, by the way, same as our main number. Last week, uh, we talked about how cold it was here. Cold pretty much across the United States, including very cold in Edwardsville, Illinois. And the reason I bring this up is uh, you just don't understand in this day and age why can't common sense way out in certain certain situations. Um, the town of Edwardsville, Illinois, is finding a church last week, started finding them $750 a day. Was it, was it because, you know, that they were doing something Ill- illegal? No, it was because they were offering warming centers for homeless people. Now, keep in mind, in Edwardsville last week, temperatures dipped to up to 10 below zero. Yeah. Good grief. So they started finding this homeless shelter um, because they didn't have the correct permit and hadn't applied for it yet. And Edwardsville isn't even, it's not even near Chicago. It's near St. Louis. Mm -hmm. It's it's in southern Illinois. So this is one of those situations where they probably wouldn't have done it and they probably would have filed for a permit. However, what do you do? You kick these people out into 10 degree below zero weather because you don't want to get fined $750 per day until you actually get the permit? Or do you open your doors and say, this is extremely dangerous. 
we're going to allow. I get that it's against the rules that you have to have a permit to do this, but it it just seems like, you know, clear thinking might have taken over here and said, hey, we understand what you're doing here, but next week, if you're going to continue to do this, um, you're going to need a permit as soon as possible. Here's Sabrina uh, Tupia, a neighbor and volunteer at the First Baptist Church uh, Warming Center, talking about some of the pushback the shelter has been getting. I had assumed, apparently wrongly, that people in this neighborhood would have been happy to help the other people in. And these are people that live here. They're not coming from anywhere else. There are people in the community. Like I said, common sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, $750, you say, oh, well, that's not a lot. Well, you know, maybe for a business, $750, you can live with that. But that $750 has to come from somewhere and probably going to be coming from somewhere that would help people that are visiting for food, uh, for other people yeah. to get blankets and things like that. I get it. It's against the rules, but I mean, when it's 10 below zero, for crying out loud, can't you have some common sense and just say, hey, look, we understand what you're doing. It's against the rules, so as soon as possible, you need to apply for a permit um, and, and give them a date to where, even if it's a week, give them a chance to do it instead of just saying, hey, you don't have a permit. We're starting to uh, find you as of now. So luckily, um, Warming up across the nation, not just here in the Treasure Valley. Most of the nation is that uh, cold front. Um, that polar vortex leaves the uh, entire nation. We'll start to see some warm-ups and getting back to normal temperatures. KBOI News Time, uh, 645. Time for another check on what's going on with sports. Once again this morning, it's brought to you by Pork Belly in CUNA. Don't forget, you love breakfast, you love lunch. You can get both. And as a matter of fact, uh, one of the places that you can get breakfast at lunch, not every place serves breakfast the entire time they're open. Pork Belly is proud to be able to do that. Get in. They open up in 15 minutes. Don't forget the coffee drive-thru also opens up the same time as the restaurant. If you thought former New England head coach Bill Belichick would retire at age 71 after parting ways with the Patriots, You may be right or wrong. We don't know yet. What we do know is that Belichick has interviewed twice with the Atlanta Falcons and as of Sunday is still on the list to possibly fill vacancies with the Panthers, Chargers, Seahawks, Titans, and Commanders. And according to a report from Philadelphia, Eagles owner Jeffrey Lurie is also considering hiring Belichick, even though they still have a head coach there, Nick Sirianni. Sirianni has led the Eagles to the playoffs in three straight seasons, but Lurie is reportedly unhappy with the team's 1-6 and six finish this year. In men's college basketball Sunday, Tulane upset number 10 Memphis, 81-79. Number 14 Illinois beat uh, Rutgers, 86-63. Number 23 Florida Atlantic stopped Texas San Antonio, 112-103 in overtime. And Utah beat Oregon, 80-77. And of course, on Saturday, Boise State, as we told you, defeated San Diego State, 67-66. The Broncos are now 13-5 and five overall. They are 4-1 and one in conference, which leaves them alone in second place, half a game behind Utah State, and that's sports. I uh, just wanted to make a um, prediction. Bill Belichick will get another job in the NFL, and I think the only reason he's going to get another job in the NFL, if he had 348 wins right now, mm-hmm. I think he'd retire. But he is 15 games away from most wins in NFL history of a coach behind Don Shula. Don Shula, yeah. Yeah, so if he had 304, I think he would retire, but I think he wants those final 15 uh, wins to be the most. It, 
he probably accomplished would, coach. He probably would like to prove that he can win a championship without Brady. That would be uh, something too. I mean, he's going to go down in history as probably the best NFL coach ever. One of them. Um, I, I mean, just with what he has done over and over, it's so hard to do. Um, we'll he, see. He does have more championships yeah, than anybody else. Yeah. We'll, we'll see, but that's my prediction. He will coach, and as soon as he gets to his uh, 348 wins, I think then he will retire. We'll see if that prediction comes true. Tonight at 10, it's Michael Knowles. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Good morning and welcome to a Monday. Thanks for listening in. As usual, uh, once again, if you want to take part in the show, easy to do. Uh, if you'd like to text us, you can do that. You can also email Mike at KBOI.com or Chris at KBOI.com. And of course, the uh, other way you can take part is by calling us 208-336-3700. Toll free 1-800-529-5264. If you have a Verizon wireless phone, very easy. Just hit pound six seven zero to uh, get through those numbers by the way are going to come in handy because coming up a little bit later today we have your gift certificates if you're into golf uh this time of year i know it's hard to get into golf because if you wanted to go out and play a round of golf um couldn't really do that right now not with a white ball anyway um you couldn't really do it with anything because it's just too muddy out the course won't even allow you on we uh, uh, do have ways for you to improve your game and uh maybe get some new equipment coming up here very soon we got the boise golf show it's going to be happening uh coming up next month we have four tickets to the boise golf show it's going to be going on for you uh you and three other friends can go now if that isn't enough we also have a one-hour gift certificate to X-Golf Golf Simulator, one of the best golf simulators in the entire nation. It is right here in uh, Boise, so you'll be able to take advantage of both of those. Once again, if you win with our Casper and Chris Damn Near Impossible question. Question this morning brought to you as usual by our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty. A uh, local company with the Global Network is uh, at your goal for 2023 to get into that new house or maybe you want to sell your house and get into your dream home they can make that happen not only make it happen they can help you through the process and all you have to do is give them a call today 208-888-4128 all right our question today a and w tried to one-up mcdonald's back in the 1980s mcdonald's you know had the uh quarter pounder mm-hmm. quarter pounder with cheese A&W tried to one-up that with a third-pounder burger, but it flopped big time, and uh, they don't still sell it. What was the reason why, specifically, that it flopped? Remember, if you missed any part of Casper and Chris this morning, check out their podcast on the KBOI app or on KBOI.com. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. His presidential campaign. I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. Once thought to have the best chance of supplanting Donald Trump as leader of the GOP, endorsing Trump just days before the New Hampshire primary. I've had disagreements with Donald Trump. Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. Now, the only person standing between Trump and the Republican nomination is former ambassador Nikki Haley. Just days ahead of the New Hampshire primary. 
Ron you know, DeSantis uh, drops out of the race. What, what I think is going to be most interesting now about the New Hampshire primary is just to see what percentage of the vote Nikki Haley ends up with. As of right now, and uh, we told you last, I believe it was Thursday, according to American Research uh, Group survey results of the New Hampshire Democratic um, or Republican primary next week. Um, last Thursday, this poll had DeSantis, or I mean uh, Trump and Nikki Haley at a dead heat at 40%. And that was before DeSantis dropped that out. That was before DeSantis dropped out. According to the newest poll with DeSantis no longer in, everybody basically has dropped out. Uh, Ram- Ramaswamy uh, dropped out last mm-hmm. week, Chris Christie a couple weeks before that. So there are only two left as of right now. The uh, latest polling numbers for New Hampshire has Nikki Haley at 40%, 44%, and Donald Trump at 46%. So still pretty close. Still pretty close, but no longer a uh, well, dead heat as was just and, four days ago. And I was thinking that, uh, you know, with DeSantis dropping out, those people who had intended to vote for DeSantis, I don't know whether they'll want to vote for Trump or Haley. It'll probably, it'll probably be a split. Well, at, according to polling, it's not. It's, it's, mostly, for it's Trump. mostly going uh, to Trump as okay. of right now. I mean, both of them picked up some numbers because you're going to have people who say, there's no way I'm voting for Trump. I'm going Nikki Haley. But Ron DeSantis did throw his support and his endorsement to Donald, uh, Donald that, Trump. That's true, yeah. Um, it's interesting, some of the breakouts of the numbers. Once again, these are likely Republican primary voters. So they're registered and they're going to more than likely vote on uh, Wednesday during the primary. Um, younger people, 18 to 49 years old, it breaks out Nikki Haley 40%, Donald Trump 44%. People 50 and older, Donald Trump jumps to the lead at 47%, Nikki Haley 42%. Once again, likely Republican primary voters um, break out male and female. This one's kind of a, a surprise. Uh, Male voters, 49% for Nikki Haley, 45% for Trump. Female voters, 37% for Nikki Haley, 46% for Trump. Mm. Considering all the allegations and the current court case that is going on with Donald Trump right now, does that surprise you? That women overwhelmingly support Trump over Nikki Haley? I don't know whether it surprises me or not. I, I don't think anybody who, well, I won't say anybody because I've heard of a couple, but it's it's kind of anecdotal, the people that I've heard that have dropped their support for Trump. I mean, there's just very few. Most of the people who have liked Trump since maybe, you know, 2015 mm-hmm. or 2014, whenever it was that he uh, announced he was running, uh, still do. Ten years later, they you know, they, they still have pretty much the same feelings about him. Yeah. Most of them, I think. Um, just one more uh, interesting part of this poll. Uh, once again, this is from American Research Group, who has done polling for the uh, both Democratic primary and Republican primary coming up. Um, and that has to do with, uh, once again, likely Republican primary voters coming up on Wednesday, um, whether or not they are definite that they are going to vote for the candidate that they're saying here. 44% say they will definitely vote for Nikki Haley, 45% for Trump. So that's that's pretty close on the definite side. Uh, probably um, 51% say Trump, 40% say Nikki Haley. So those, there's some that are still on the fence 
you know, leaning probable, but they haven't definitely made their decision mm-hmm. as of yet. So there's still room um, for Nikki Haley um, to try and win this thing, which would which which would be big, not not necessarily in the grand scheme of things, but for fundraising. You had mentioned a little bit earlier this morning, you know, because a lot of being able to continue running for a presidential race has to do with raising well, money. And I said that uh, I thought that uh, Santos might stay in it if he had enough money, but he his campaign was running out. Yeah, and, and and that definitely goes into it. And I also truly believe that if he wants to be the front runner coming up in four years, that he needs. I mean, he basically said he has no pathway forward. They did all the math, and there is no pathway forward for him to win the nomination. So why continue to throw good money after bad? Where the money that he raised right now, if he does have money left over, he can keep in his campaign coffers and start raising um, money for the election coming up in four years where he will be, as of right now, the likely front runner. Donald Trump, like I said, whether he wins or loses, uh, he would still be allowed to run. Mm Mm-hmm. In four years, um, however, then you put him at the same age that he said Joe Biden shouldn't be running because of his age. <laughs> Not that he won't change his tune, but mm. I just I think at that point when Trump is eighty-one, everybody's going to say the same thing. And we've talked about this this morning. We'll talk a little bit more about it just because of the age. I think all of us, you and I, have talked about this. We even talked about it off air this morning. Man, I I would love some sort of uh amendment rule um like you have on the younger edge of Mm -hmm. uh, being able to run at 35 i think there should be a older age that you're allowed well and and of course then the the problem becomes what number would you like me personally 70 (laughs) that's my that's my personal note you can run at 70 and then you would be 74 when you left off reagan was uh the first president ever to serve over the age of 70 when he was first elected in 1980 he was already 69 years old because he was born in 1911 so he was the first uh president to serve over the age of 70 he was the first one to be elected he was re-elected at the age of 73 and then he was the first to serve over the age of 75. And remember when he was uh, running, how many people thought 69 was really, really yeah, old? Yeah. Because before then, the oldest president, I think, had been William Henry Harrison, who was cautionary, I think, because he was elected at 68 and died a month later. And they're yeah. like, oh, we're not going to do that again. KBOI News Time 715, time for another check on sports. Phone lines open. If you want to uh, go ahead and write in, you can email us, chris at kboi.com. Mike at kboi.com. Already got a couple of texts we'll get to coming up after news at the bottom of the hour. Right now, time for sports once again. Brought to you by Pork Belly and Cuna. Want to check out the menu uh, before you head out? You can do that by going to theporkbellyidaho.com. Stanford women's basketball coach Tara Vanderveer Sunday set an all-time record for the most coaching wins in college basketball history, men's or women's. The Cardinal beat Oregon State 65-56, marking the 1,203rd victory in Vanderveer's career. That passes now-retired Duke men's coach Mike Krzyzewski, who finished his career with 1,202 wins. Vanderveer is in her 38th season at Stanford and 45th overall. She started her career as a head coach with the University of Idaho in 1978. Vanderveer coached two years for the Vandals and five years at Ohio State before moving to Stanford in 1985. 
There are just four teams remaining in the NFL playoffs, and those teams will meet six days from now to determine who goes to Super Bowl 58. Sunday, Detroit beat Tampa Bay 31-23, and Kansas City topped Buffalo 27-24. The Lions move on to meet San Francisco in Santa Clara Sunday at 4.30 Mountain Time. The 49ers beat Green Bay 24-21 Saturday. The Chiefs move on to face Baltimore in Baltimore Sunday in the early game at 1 o'clock. The Ravens took care of Houston 34-10 Saturday. Of the four remaining teams, Detroit is the only one who has never won or played in a Super Bowl. The Lions last won the NFL championship in 1957 in the pre-Super Bowl era. They also won in 1953, 52, and 1935. And that's sports. Time for the Morning Market Report. Powered by CapEd Credit Union. Keeping you informed about your money before the market opens. Sponsored by Tree City Advisors. On News Talk, KBOI, Boise. 722, Jeremiah Bates with us this morning to uh, talk about our money. Uh, Dow looks to continue its winning streak and uh, record by the way, 115 up ahead of the uh, opening here in about seven or eight minutes. Uh, S&P is up. Dow is, or the uh, NASDAQ is also up. I wanted to talk about something. One of the things um, over the last couple of years um, has to do with uh, jobs and how it affected uh, interest rates because uh, it seemed like more people were working. Unemployment was going down. However, I wanted to talk about jobs, uh, especially after news last week that we heard having to do here locally. I want to talk about this. Salser Medical Group closing over 400 employees will be uh, looking for a new job if the company isn't sold by the end of March. Uh, also, Macy's announced over the weekend over 2,300 jobs will be eliminated plus dozens of stores. Are we starting to see a little bit of change when it comes to to uh, jobs and jobs being available. And how does the Salser Medical Group layoff of over 400 employees, how does that affect the economy here in the Treasure Valley? Yeah, I think it's... Whether we're seeing a trend develop, it's probably too close to call. But the employment picture... You know, it's like a living, breathing thing. I mean, these things ebb and flow. And of course, you're going to have certain sectors that are going to be more, I guess, take a higher blow than, I guess, other sectors. So looking at Macy's, I don't think it's going to be really to anyone's surprise when you especially look at the past year's trend of Macy's closing down stores, those those actual retail locations. And that's just more, more in lines with the changing of the times. I mean, when you look at the majority of sales that are really taking place, I mean, online sales, I mean, that's really taking over. So I'm, as far as the Macy's side of things and you know your standalone retail stores, I think that's a trend that is going to continue. I think you're going to see these um, you know legacy stores like your Macy's. They're going to consolidate. They're going to try to be more cost effective. Now, on the flip side, when we're talking about Seltzer, yeah, you know that that one's interesting. If you look back at the timeline of that, of when you know St. Luke's was going to purchase that, and then the uh, you know that that was basically unwound and wasn't approved by the FTC. So now you have Seltzer. I mean, you're looking at an effect of patients that are likely going to have to find mm. new care, new facilities to get their care. And you're looking at over 400 employees. So if you look at over those 400 employees, will that have a dramatic effect? No. But I mean, 
at least at least not from the get-go. But again, if we start to see this continuing trend, yeah, it could be cause of concern. And I think it's uh, this conversation slowly changing from where we were, like you mentioned, a year ago, two years ago, where the employment picture was still strong. Now it's incredibly strong. Now it is still strong. But again, you're starting to layer up, you know, week over week, month over month of these headline numbers hitting, whether it's in the form of Citigroup, whether it's in the form of other big corporate corporations announcing big layoffs, you know, hey, they're they're looking to cost cut measures. Maybe they got a little bit over their skis, a little overextended. But you know, Seltzer I think is a bigger hit because if they do not find a, a potential suitor, a, a buyer by March, you're talking about 400, 400 individuals, probably even more, uh, completely left out, potentially left out to dry, and going to need find more employment. So again, overall, it, it, I I don't think it's something that it, it, a trend is not really right. developing yet. We're going to see it widespread, but. It, it, that conversation's starting to slip a little bit from where we were a couple years ago. One more question. Uh, this comes from one of our listeners, Gary in Napa, says, a few years ago, St. Luke's wanted to merge with Salser. Uh, he wanted to ask you if St. Luke's is now looking into buying Salser now. Have you heard anything? I haven't heard anything of St. Luke's specifically, but... <laughs> You know, that that would be a little bit of a round trip if they end up ultimately being the suitor. Because if you look at St. Luke's, I mean, as far as their their namesake, their their profitability, I mean, their resources to do it, that that would be a, a, a likely candidate, in my opinion. And whether that comes out into fruition, yet to be seen, I guess we'll find out by March. Depends on probably how much they want to uh, charge them to be able to do it, right? Yep, this All is right. true. We'll keep an eye on things as of right now. Things looking uh, hunky-dory uh, across the board ahead of the opening here in a few minutes. We'll keep you uh, updated with uh, the stock market as we go through today. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow morning. Thanks, gents. Download the KBOI radio app for free for your Android or Apple device. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 741, he's Chris Walton. I'm Mike Casper. Thanks for listening in. If you want to be a part of the show, remember you can always do that very easily. Give us a call, 208-336-3700. You can also email Chris at KBOI.com, Mike at KBOI.com, text us. Same as our main number. Gas prices continue to fall in the Treasure Valley. Proud to say I uh, made another prediction that has come true. I said by the end of January, Boise would see uh, average price fall to below $3 a gallon. And it it finally has. Over the last few days, um, it has fallen below $3 a gallon. Significantly better than a month ago when it was $3.36. Average gas price nationwide right now is $3.07. This makes it the first time that Idaho has been under the national average Hmm. since one year ago. Late January of 2023, Idaho's price, average price, dropped below what the national average We were running errands on uh, Saturday, and I saw it somewhere for two ninety five. I have not on my way to work this morning. I checked it out. I have not seen it above two ninety seven at a, any one of the gas stations that I travel by. There is a Jackson's that's very close to where we live now, and it was still three oh two this morning. Um, Costco, if you have a membership, that's the still lowest price two dollars and eighty three cents mm. per gallon. Mister Gas second uh, lowest tied with Shell. Uh, Mister Gas on Eisenman. $2.89 a gallon, and then there is uh, dozens of Mavericks throughout the Treasure Valley right now uh, where you can get gas prices at $2.95 a gallon. So once again, through most of the Treasure Valley, you're going to see uh, gas prices running below $3. Um, I mean, just for instance, and I, I filled the last time I filled up, gas prices were still 
305 is the last time I filled up, and I was happy that for the first time uh, that I can remember in a long time, it, it only took, I, I was able to fill up my gas tank for less than $50. All right, well done. So, um, yeah, so, and it, gas prices have now fallen about another seven, eight cents a gallon since then. Uh, I'll be needing to fill up again this week. Um, high price in Idaho, by the way. I don't, I don't know why, but Lewiston is uh, still at around 340 um, a gallon. <laughs> the port city. Yeah, isn't that weird? Three forty yeah. a gallon. I mean, that's appreciably higher than every place else um, in, in the uh, state. Idaho Falls is below two fifty a gallon um, now. But keep in mind, in Idaho Falls, you have different gasoline that you're able to buy that you can't get here in the Treasure Valley. Um, so that's part of the reason why they are much much lower than uh, any place else. Their octane level different is a lot lower and cheaper. Yeah. What are they? An eighty five? I think they're eighty five, mm. and I don't think I don't think you can find that anywhere here in uh, the Treasure Valley. KB- Ma- Maverick used to be on the even numbers. They were the only ones on the even numbers: eighty six, eighty eight, and ninety. Right. Everybody else was eighty seven, ninety one, ninety three. KBOI News Time, 745. Time for another final check on what's going on with sports. Still lots more sports to talk about. It is Bronco Monday. We'll be talking about basketball, the latest week, and what's ahead this week with Leon Rice and the boys. That'll be coming up here with Bob Beeler in just about uh, an hour from right now. This final check, once again, brought to you by Pork Belly and Cuna. They are open not only for breakfast, the coffee drive through You want to get your day started off the hot... Fresh cup of coffee, maybe iced coffee, energy drink. Get into the drive-thru. You don't even have to get out of your car. If you thought former New England head coach Bill Belichick would retire at age 71 after parting ways with the Patriots, you may be right or wrong. We don't know yet. What we do know is that Belichick has interviewed twice with the Atlanta Falcons and as of Sunday is still on the list to possibly fill vacancies with the Panthers, Chargers, Seahawks, Titans, and Commanders. And according to a report from Philadelphia, Eagles owner Jeffrey Lurie is also considering hiring Belichick, even though they still have a head coach, Nick Sirianni. Sirianni has led the Eagles to the playoffs in three straight seasons, but Lurie is reportedly unhappy with the team's 1-6 and six finish to the year. In men's college basketball Sunday, Tulane upset number 10 Memphis 81-79. Number 14 Illinois beat Rutgers 86-63. Number 23, Florida Atlantic stopped Texas San Antonio, 112-103 in overtime. And uh, here in the area, Utah beat Oregon, 80-77. And, of course, on Saturday, Boise State defeated San Diego State, 67-66. The Broncos are now 13-5 and overall and 4-1 and in conference, which leaves them alone in second place, half a game behind Utah State. That's sports. Today from 10 to 1, it's Dan Bongino. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 752, 42 degrees in downtown Boise, continuing to warm up. We're uh, up about 5 degrees from what it was when we first started working this morning. Oh boy. Rain continues to fall in the Treasure Valley. Uh, Snow, hopefully lots more of it falling in the uh, mountains, but uh, we were looking earlier this morning. Bogus Basin rain mixed with snow there at the base. Not good news. Nobody likes to ski in slush. It's not fun. Well, except for people who uh, uh, have a hard time turning. No, they don't like it. makes it worse turning in slush. Oh, it does? Oh, yeah. I thought it made it easier. because No, slush is not made good. your skis stop. Uh, co-op, uh, New Plymouth. This is a text message in. says that uh, gas is going there for $2.80 a gallon. That is almost... Almost 
cheap enough to drive to New Plymouth to fill up your your car with gas at two eighty a gallon. Thanks for that uh, update. Former President Donald Trump, this is something we talked about earlier this morning, and we've talked about this over and over. Um, should there be an age limit on presidential candidates? Heck, for that matter, uh, for anybody running for the Senate, running for maybe, Congress, you've maybe. got some people, I mean, as old as Biden is, he's not the oldest person that is serving right now. Right? Who's the oldest? Um, is it... Uh, Somebody in Congress. It's right? it, Yeah, in the uh, Senate. I think there's a few that are older than Biden. Now, he just recently lost one of them. Who, Feinstein? Feinstein passed away. What was she, 89? Uh, let's see. Who are, here are the oldest U.S. senators after Feinstein's death. Uh, that would be Chuck Grassley is 90. That's what I thought. Chuck Grassley. Republican and he's going from Iowa. Medical conditions. Bernie Sanders right is uh, a mere 82, the independent from Vermont. Mitch McConnell is uh, the Senate Minority Leader, and he is 81 from Kentucky. Jim Risch is 80. He's fourth oldest. Uh, Ben Cardin from uh, Maryland, 79. Angus King, uh, independent from Maine, 79. Majority Whip Dick Durbin is 78. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at an Axios ad. But anyway, that's, you know, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I, and some Richard, of those... Richard Blumenthal, 77. You've had Ed a number Markey. of those with uh, medical conditions. We've mm-hmm. talked about uh, Joe Biden. Um, and if you look at uh, even just 10 years ago in speeches that Joe Biden gave or during his time as vice president, you go back to the time as vice president, huge, huge change in uh, the way he gives speeches. Donald Trump, um, you have you have to weigh in. We've talked about some of the huge gaffes that uh, Joe Biden has made. Um, this was a big one uh, yesterday. Um, Trump confused Nancy Pelosi with Nikki Haley. That's hard to do because they don't have a lot in common. Take a listen. Never reports the crowds, you know. By the way, they never report the crowd on January 6th. You know, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, you know, they, did you know they destroyed all of the information, all of the evidence, everything, deleted and destroyed all of it, all of it, because of lots of things. Like Nikki Haley is in charge of security. We offered her 10,000 people. And that was Nancy Pelosi. That was Nancy Pelosi. Nikki Haley mm. had nothing to do with January 6th. Mm. Um, that was, by the way, just, you know, you, you heard it there numerous times. He, he, can, he confused Nikki Haley with Got Nancy Pelosi. Instant message here from Mike Pence, oh, former <laughs> Vice President Mike Pence. Probably really him. Uh, he says, gosh dang, that Nikki Haley refusing those 10,000 troops and spoiling mother's home-cooked meal that January 6th day. Well, it certainly sounds like Mike Pence. <laughs> um, it, once again, and you can weigh in on this, do you think there needs to be an age limit when it comes to running for office? It, you know, I mean, I, we'll, we'll stick with the presidency. I mean, because there is an age limit for the presidency on the younger end. Why can't there be one for the older 35 end? 35 is a pretty good starting number because... Uh, you know, it, it, it makes sure that you've had some life experience by mm-hmm. then. Uh, I don't know that there necessarily needs to be a maximum age, but uh, at some point it would be nice if there were an IQ test. But then again, that would probably mess up the whole system, wouldn't it? Think about this. Um, for those of you listening this morning, think about anybody over the age, we'll, we'll say 78, 
over the age of 78, think about the people you know personally. Mm -hmm. Do you think they have the mental acuity and the physical stamina, which you need both because it is a very tough job to be the Mm -hmm. president of the United States. You don't get a sleepwalk through that. Do you, the people you know personally, would any of them have the mental acuity? I'm not talking about the experience to be running as a politician, just the mental acuity and the physical have, stamina yeah, you to have stand to be, up to You have it. to be sharp and strong yeah. the older you get. Uh, weigh in. Go ahead. Email chris at kboi.com, mike at kboi.com. Phone lines are open, 208-336-3700. And Shapiro this afternoon at 1. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Former Ambassador Nikki Haley questioning if Trump is mentally fit to serve after the former president appeared to confuse her with former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. When you're dealing with the pressures of a presidency, we can't have someone else that we question whether they're mentally fit to do this. Haley heading into tomorrow's primary, facing a double-digit deficit with 50% of likely Republican primary voters supporting Trump. Shut up, Nikki Haley. You didn't even protect our nation's capital. <laughs> when, you, when you were the Speaker of the House. <laughs> Why should we listen to you? You California, South Carolina woman. How old is too old? Donald Trump, if elected. I mean, as of right now, we are either going to, unless something drastically changes, we're either going to have a president who will be 78 years old when he takes office or a president who will be 82 when he takes office. One or the other, unless something drastic changes and one of my other predictions comes to fruition that one or the other of the, these won't two candidates be the won't nominee. be the nominee. Right. Sean, listening this morning uh, in Libby, Montana. And actually, Sean, you're listening yeah. on 670 AM this morning, all the way in Libby, right? Yes, sir, I am. Yeah, well done. Thank you uh, for listening to us. Um, how old is too well, old to be president? Yeah, there isn't any. I I think if if a president is going to wants to be a president or a person wants to be a president, the only thing you have to do is take a psychological test from a good doctor, uh, <laughs> and uh, if they pass the test, uh, you're good to go. But I think that uh, you know, an example, uh, look at uh, James T. Kirk, uh, William Shatner. He went up into space at the age of ninety, and he came back gave a full report of what he saw. You know, I just uh, I thought that was pretty impressive. He was the host so, of, a, uh, of a TV show not long ago where they. Uh, it was something about Mars, a bunch of people. It was a reality show. They pretended I, they were on Mars. I think he still hosts... Um, something else? Uh, uh, something else. Mm. And, and it's not necessarily like a, a game show or anything like that, but he he uh, hosted it's another science fiction type show. Um, yeah, he's a... Br- He's a he's a brilliant man, you know, and uh, and he remains very articulate. At the age of ninety, he explained exactly everything he saw when he was out in space, and uh, we have a lot of good leaders uh, in that category uh, that uh, they are able, they are very uh, articulate and very uh, they can think through a problem very easily. I think they just need to put a psychological test for a president before he before he before he takes office. That's all. Yeah, that's all. So in, instead and, of an uh, age we'd limit, never, we'd never agree what has to be in that test, would we? <laughs> say, say again, sir. No, I said we we would never be able to agree what should be in that test, would we? Well, no. As long as you could tie your shoes, I think that's probably good enough. Well, no, <laughs> that's good enough. <laughs> Um, for, definitely uh, help your motor skills, Sean. I'm I'm going to ask you, how old are you? Um, 
old enough to be president. I'm 67, I guess. 60, oh, yes. Yeah, so you're you're right in that. You're almost too young to be president. Um, do you do yeah. you have personally know somebody um, that would be over the age of 78 that you think that not only mentally could handle the job but also yes. physically handle the job? You do. I, sh- I sure do. Uh, I used to work with him with the Forest Service here. His name Dan Murray. Is he still uh, alive? In, in lit- lit- no, he's alive. All right. Okay, good. Uh, he ran. He he was a boss on the uh, on the, on the trails and and for from nineteen sixty seven to nineteen to to uh, two thousand seven for fifty years. He ran the trails in the mountains up here in the cabinets, which are pretty rugged uh, territory. And uh, he trained a lot of uh, young kids that were in high school and college how to work in the woods and how to clear trails and how to be a woodsman. And these, I saw him just less than a year ago. He was 78, 79, and he was clear as a bell. And uh, this guy would, matter of fact, he looks fit enough to get back on the trails. Why can't and you talk it into running for president then? Oh, he should. Uh, this guy's amazing. He he looks like a lot like Robert Duvall. Uh, he's uh, he has that character and that spirit uh, and that toughness about him. Uh, and uh, so, you know, unfortunate. I don't mean to bring this into it, but 2007, he retired after 50 years, and uh, he went and filled out the paperwork with the Forest Service. And uh, heck, they didn't even say thank you. Not even a no go watch, no nothing. They just handed him paperwork after 50 good years with the Forest Service here, and he wasn't even thanked. Dan Murray, what, what he, he's the hero of this area, hmm. and uh, he, he's the John Wayne of this area, and he's uh, pushing 80 now. And last time I saw him, yeah, he's ready to go back on the trails and uh, with an axe in hand and uh, and hash out a few trees. Right. Uh, he's the guy. If he was going to be, if there's going to be a president around here, Dan Murray would be the man. Got it. Uh, that's the way I see it. All right. Thank you for the call. Thanks for listening all the way up in Libby, Montana. Keep up the great work. Appreciate it. If you're a mathematician, just ignore some of that. <laughs> um, there's one. Like I said. We're asking you, out of all the people you know who are 78 and older and still alive, that's another prerequisite. Well, Do yeah, you personally it, it, know of anybody? It doesn't say so necessarily in the Constitution, but I think <laughs> it's implied that the president must be alive. Do you personally know somebody, not only with the mental acuity, but also the physical stamina to hold up to be the president of the United States for four years? We've got, so far, only one out of everybody... Um, listening this morning can't come up at least so far with another person. I, I went through everybody, all my relatives, um, my father who is uh, not even 78 yet, no way, mother, same age as, as Biden. Um, mental, mentally she's there, physically could never, ever do it. Um, father, mentally, physically, probably not enough there. Um, I've got... Um, my wife's aunt, definitely not there. Um, I think if you're about 80... Uh, you you could do it, but you uh, w- would have to probably work out just about every day or several times a week just, just you know, t- to keep your stamina yeah. up. I mean, it's natural for stamina to go away when you're about, you know, 80. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Once again, this is after a um, multiple gaffes by Biden. Um, we make a big deal about that, and then President Trump. This was this was a big one. Re- confusing Nikki Haley for Nancy Pelosi. The names both start with an N. I get it, but Nikki Haley had nothing to do um, yeah. with January sixth. And if it, if it was one time 
You could say, all right, he just he screwed up. He's well, running against Nikki Haley. If it was just see, once, see, the but trouble it was with, multiple times. The trouble with the people running for president is that they basically are speaking about, you know, 18 hours a day. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, every now and then I think you're going to get a little weary and probably uh, mix up one person for another. Which, even, even if you are the sort of person who, you know, could serve as president. Which goes into our point, too. Um, campaigning is absolutely exhausting. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you're campaigning, if you're doing it for president, you're, you're doing it, as you mentioned, 16, even more hours per day, traveling from here to there, no rests until either you decide, like DeSantis did, to suspend um, or until the uh, election is uh, done. He can't rest now. He is the governor of Florida. Yeah, he's, he's got he's to go to back work. to work. Um, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see, does he still um, campaign for Trump? I mean, he threw his support for Trump, but is he going to campaign for Trump, especially with all the problems uh, between the two of them um, as they both campaign for president? I don't know. My guess is Trump won't ask him to. Um, Trump did say he maintained he will never, ever call Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSanctimonious ever again. That's what that's Trump's words. We'll see if that holds up. Well, if he makes if he makes him mad, though, he will come up with a different nickname. <laughs> Maybe a different nickname, yeah. Like he's- Drive home live and local with Nate Shellman this afternoon at 3. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. All right, time for the Casper and Chris damn near impossible question. Golf package up for grab for all you golfers out there. We've got uh, Boise Golf Show tickets for four people that will get you in February 9th to the 11th. We've also got one hour of free golf from X Golf. Um, it's kind of a fun thing. It's not just uh, the best simulator in the nation, but you can uh, go and have yourself food. You can have drinks. It'll be a fun time out. And uh, we've got Brandon. Yes. It's real food, not simulated. Brandon, you've got first crack at it this morning. Let's go, Brandon. A&W tried to one-up McDonald's in the 80s by selling a third-pound burger, but it flopped big time, all for one specific reason. What was the reason why the A&W third-pounder flopped? Let me explain this to you. So a third-pound burger would be six ounces. A quarter-pound burger would be four ounces. But to the general public... Four is bigger than three, and so <laughs> we couldn't do math and decided that the quarter-pound burger was bigger, and that's why they pulled the third-pounder burger off. Wow. What a fantastic <laughs> way to explain it, Brandon. That is 100% right. Um, we also would have accepted uh, because uh, Americans are stupid. That was also well, would have been accepted. <laughs> we would have accepted in one, in isn't one that, answer here. Isn't yeah. that crazy? People thought that the uh, quarter-pounder was bigger than the third-pounder. So they're like, yep. yeah, no, I don't want that. I want I want a big burger. I want the huge quarter pounder. Congratulations, Brandon. Hold on the line. Uh, are you a big golfer? Um, I do get out occasionally, and I've been to Gen X, uh, the golf simulator, and it's fun. Yeah. All right. Um, guess what? We've got a free one hour for you, $50 gift certificate. Not only that, we'll get you set up for the season. Uh, we've got the Boise Golf Show, which is brought to you in part by News Talk KBOI. We'll get some information from you. We've got these to give away all this week. So if you're into golf or you know somebody that's into golf, just make sure you're listening every morning. Stick around. Coming up next, we'll be back with Bob Beeler. It is Bronco Monday. Big win over the weekend. Another big week in the Mountain West. Uh, we'll talk with Bob on the way. This is Bronco Monday. Max Rice from the left wing gets a thousand career points. He does it on a three. We'll discuss the most recent Boise State game and discuss the upcoming schedule. 
Now here's Mike Casper, Chris Walton, and the voice of the Broncos, Bob Beeler. Your home of the Broncos for 50 years. News Talk, KBOI. 836, uh, coming off uh, home win. Boise State Broncos had an up and down week. Uh, unfortunately, um, they lost one of their home games against UNLV, uh, but had a really big turnaround against San Diego State. Bob Beeler with us this morning to talk about those uh, two games. San Diego State's game um, is, is kind of impressive in that that was the um, fifth time in the last six times that San Diego State um, has lost to Boise State. And the only team in the Mountain West over the last four or five years that it has any dominance over San Diego State at all. Yeah, San Diego State has been the team, guys, that has, you know, been the top team in this conference. And, you know, I think Boise State came out of the blocks. They were fired up. I think they weren't as fired up to play UNLV, and maybe maybe that's to be expected after a great road win at Nevada and you come home and maybe you're looking a little past, you know, to, to San Diego State. you got to give UNLV credit for the Wednesday game, but Boise State was on point. They did what they wanted. Uh, Jaden Ledee, who's been a regular, you know, 20-plus points, about 10 rebounds a game, they held him. And I thought that was key because, you know, he was their leading scorer. He had to play 38 minutes in the game, but held well below his average with 13 points, only let him take nine shots, only took seven free throws. So I thought they did a real nice job defensively of containing him. And then uh, the supporting cast, if you will, for San Diego State was was decent, but you know again they they didn't have anybody from that group step up, and then you know Boise State got some minutes off the bench, something that they haven't done. Uh, they played uh, you know about thirty minutes off the bench, ended up with uh, ten points and four assists and three rebounds for the group. Um, you know, no, nobody lit the world on fire, but everybody that came in off the bench contributed. And then Omar Stanley, after two games where he really <laughs> struggled to score, you know, he came back. He was himself, 17.7 rebounds. Wow. He was beyond himself because those three three-pointers were yeah. – Without him, could have been problematic, uh, but you just don't expect no. Omar Stanley to hit, you know, three three-pointers. Well, his percentage at at St. John's. Now they played him more on the perimeter, a little more outside at St. John's than Boise State's using him as a as a, basically a center inside. You know, his percentage last year at St. John's was in the low forties. Not many shots taken, obviously, but the first one they gave him was an open look, and I'm thinking, "Ooh, do you really want that shot?" I didn't say that on the air, but yeah. I'm thinking <laughs> that in my mind, and it goes in. I mean, I mean, if I told you before the game that Boise State would need to outshoot San Diego State to win the game from three, you would have said yes. You would, and I said that on the pregame. They made nine. San Diego State made six. But remember, two were in the final, what, 30 right. seconds when mm-hmm. Boise State was ahead. So for the bulk of the game, it was nine to four. And then if you told me that one player was going to be three for three from three and two players were going to be two for 11, and the two were Abo and Rice, who were your best two three-point shooters. They were combined two for 11. Each of them made one, and, and Stanley was three for three. That's why sports is great. You never know. Now, Stanley had open looks. He took them. Abo and Rice were tightly defended. San Diego State is an excellent defensive team. So, I mean, you know, the degree of difficulty was harder for Abo and, and, and Rice than it was for Stanley. The other uh, thing that I, I will say in watching the game, you mentioned how well um, they defensed Ladee, and I, it, I still just continue to be impressed with um, 
our, our point guard play, even though uh, this game he, he scored much more, talking about Anderson the third, but his defense is there. I mean, defense doesn't take a vacation. Um, and he has just been fantastic on the defense. And the, the, the point I wanted to make in watching that game, not only um, did they slow Ladid down, but about halfway through the game, um, they were showing him he was visibly frustrated. Mm-hmm. And I even said at the time, I go, oh, that's good. He's frustrated. Um, he's going to start forcing stuff, which he kind of kind of did and still didn't do any better. And then, you know, Tyson Degenhardt, 11 points, 4 rebounds. You know, for him, that's below his average. But it just showed you that, you know, how good defensively both of these teams were. They, they, they really worked hard on, you know, trying to limit his, you know, abilities. And, and I think Boise State found a way to win as a team. I think the 11,705, uh, I think helped. I think the energy in that building was as good as I felt in a very, very long time. And there have been some great energy games. You felt it. I walked in the building at 8.30 and, and there was a buzz in the building at 8.30. And when the, I mean, when the gates weren't even open. So I think the crowd really truly helped out. And, you know, when you look at a, you know, a one point win, Every little bit helps, and uh, Boise State's going to have another game that's sort of a game that you're going to have to watch. Uh, Fresno State coming up tomorrow in Fresno. Fresno, one of the worst teams in the league. And then you come back with Utah State, a team that will be in first place. They get the bye. They're off all week, and uh, we'll talk about that that in a little while. Uh, but it's a it's a big big game for Boise State. I mean, if you play your cards right and, and you go two and zero this week, you'll be six and one to start the season in the first place all alone that last minute of the game was uh, pretty nerve-wracking uh, if, <laughs> if you'd have said with 60 seconds left hey there are still thir- or 14 more points to be scored in this game uh well, there were thought, a lot of free there were a lot of free throws at yeah. the end and then boise state helped san diego state's total with a couple of turnovers san diego state's press was very tough to handle they mm-hmm. did a nice job on that press boise state really had to work for it you know, but you had the one where there was a travel, and then you had the one where Degenhart was trying to pass it into Rice, and they kind of had him boxed in on the on the sideline, and he, he stepped on the line. Yeah. So you know, you you basically had a situation where Boise State's a good free throw shooting team that if you can get the ball in cleanly, you know, you're probably going to get to the free throw line. And then of course at the end of the game, when Boise State is is up three and max rice is at the line out of abe jackson's mouth well we only need one and then <laughs> wow. and then of course the first one is missed and and then you're like oh now all of a now sudden we have to have, we have to have one <laughs> it, is, it is interesting too I, lo- I looked at the um schedule and I, this is a really important game for boise state um coming up this saturday i mean tonight's important you can't or tomorrow night's important you can't lose away to one of the lower tier teams but utah state looking at their schedule by far the easiest schedule yes. of the top teams. They don't have to play UNLV at home, and they don't have to play Nevada on the road. Now, that can be good or bad um, because they have less chances for quad one wins also. Right. Well, that's, that, that's, a different, that's a different discussion. The discussion you're making there is who might get to the NCAA tournament. Uh, the discussion for winning the conference in the regular season, probably a little easier uh, although Boise State played UNLV only once this year, or plays them only once this year, and they lost, so sometimes who you miss or who you make isn't as big a deal as you as you would think it would be. But you know, Utah State coach left, was there one year. Odom left, went to Virginia Commonwealth, took a lot of players with him. There were some seniors on the team. They are one of three teams in the country, guys, that had no points 
on their roster coming back. Mm. Think about it. That's pretty amazing. Nobody scored a point. Usually there's some walk-on or something that yeah. made a basket. Nobody wow. scored a basket. Did so, not realize that. Um, uh, but and this guy's done a great job. I think their non-conference schedule was a bit soft, but uh, uh, hey, they're winning games. Yeah, that's that's uh, and, the name of the and, game. Just keep and, winning. And baby. that place is so tough to win down there. That's why I think the San Diego State was a huge win because you got to win your home games. I yeah. know Boise State won at Nevada, but you got to win your home games. Yeah. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll hear from the coach. Coach, it is Bronco Monday. Once again, we got Bob Beeler. Now back to Bronco Monday on your flagship for Bronco basketball. News Talk KBOI. It is Bronco Monday. Bob Beeler with us uh, once again, uh, ahead of the game in uh, Fresno tomorrow night. Um, Bob, uh, go ahead and lead us into uh, how happy the coach was. Yeah, we talked to Leon after the game, obviously was, and as we mentioned a little earlier in this show, one of the big things was holding Jaden Ledee, came in averaging 22 points a game, held him to 13, and this is what Coach Rice had to say about the defensive effort. Just to have bodies, you know, like Omar's a tough, strong body, <laughs> and I think there was a crucial possession of about three or four or five minutes to go when he posted as hard as he could post, and Omar was bad. I mean, those two were, you know, two studs locking horns down there low, and, uh, you know, they weren't able to get him the ball, and, and that maybe one play is kind of the, you know, in a nutshell, but he, he's a he's a great player, and you know, it took our whole team because when he gets the ball, he can drive. When he gets to the free throw line, he, you know, down the stretch of the game, he usually gets to the free throw line, and that was an emphasis of ours is somehow we got to guard him with the team and, and make him settle for a perimeter jumper somehow, some way. That was the, but it, it's easier said than done. A couple other plays that were key defensively with a little less than four minutes to go leading into that four-minute media timeout. Uh, Ladie had a charge that was taken by Abo. And then later, inside with about a minute to go or so, uh, Stanley blocked Ladee shot inside. So uh, Boise State did a great job defending him. Uh, again, probably going to be the player of the year in the league, at least I would think, at least through the first you know seven or eight games in conference play. Uh, bench came through as I mentioned. Uh, the bench today or last uh, on Saturday had uh, 30 minutes of action. Total of 10 points, four assists, and three rebounds. And this is what Coach Rice had to say about the three guys that came in off the bench, Cam Martin, Jace Whiting, and Andrew Meadow. Biggest thing, they were great minutes. You know, mm-hmm. Cam came in, hit a big shot. They, I think all three of them hit a three. And those were huge. I mean, you know, in this game, scoring a point is hard to do. And uh, those three helped us with nine points or, you know, ten points right there. And, you know, that I, I, you know they're the key to our season. They really are. And I want to play them more. And, you know, and I will. The more, the better they play, the more I will play them. But, you know, my job is to, is to keep the guys that are playing the best out there and the most, and, but also not wear out. You know, I think we did a good job of that, uh, keeping the guys a little more fresh tonight. Because, you know, Ladie, I mean, they got the same formula. They kept him out there almost the whole game, 38 minutes and 12 seconds. I mean, you gotta keep, have your, you got to ride with the ones who brung you. And again, looking at Boise State starters, and the starters are a well-oiled machine right now. Uh, 33 minutes for Stanley, 33 minutes for Degenhardt, 32 for Anderson, 33 for Abo, and 33 for Rice. So uh, again, starters are going to play the lion's share of the minutes. They need they need more off the bench like they got the other night. You don't need somebody to score 15, but 
You need you need people to make plays, and they did. And we'll finish up with you know you beat San Diego State. You're now uh, you know the one of the just two teams in the conference with one loss. What does the win do for the team? Well, I think it shows how good we can be, and you know. Um, I don't think we're playing at our best yet. I mean, we got guys that you know we can clean up situations. It's sometimes you you know we when you got new guys to the program, sometimes you just assume that okay they're going to know what to do in every single situation, and it's something that we can keep getting better at. And you know because you're going to be in we're pretty good down the stretch in situations, but you got to have all five on the same page, and, and that's important. And guys, at the end of the game, he had. Basically, the five starters in the game trying to close it out, which was obviously the smart move, and, and they were able to do it. Uh, one of the other things I saw, he used Whiting and Anderson. You know, they pressed some in the backcourt. He used two point guards at the same time. Don't know whether that will continue or not, but certainly <laughs> it was a strategy that was used against San Diego State on Saturday. It's also encouraging, and uh, you're able to look at this a little bit more because you have seen uh, every game, almost every game so far this year. Um, the strides, because if you're going to get better in the season, you have to do that through the players. You're not going to bring in a new player halfway through the season to hopefully boost your team. Um, but you've seen increases in Anderson the third, and especially Omar Stanley's game. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think they've reached their ceiling yet. Do you? Well, certainly not Anderson, and I would think Stanley as well. Um, you know, they both, as you say, are, are learning this this setup. I think they're. You know, I think Stanley had the advantage coming in of having played in the Big East. Big East is probably as good or better than the than the Mountain West top to bottom. Um, so he's played against this level of competition night in, night out. Now he played a different position at uh, at St. John's, and then Anderson was asked to do different things at, at UCSD, and of course the level of competition in the Big West is way lower. So I think I think his his biggest issue is, has been, you know, maybe trying to, you know, be more of a facilitator, less of a scorer, and then also do it at a, at a much right. higher level of opponent. Just to uh, drive home your your point of uh, Omar Stanley playing a, a new position, CBS is where I watched the game and listening to them uh, this past weekend. They kept hammering away that they had talked to Coach Leon Rice and, and kept hammering away that uh, Leon had told them that two months ago Omar Stanley didn't know how to post up. <laughs> well, he wasn't asked to yeah. at, at St. John's. Yeah. So, and uh, and you, know. you look at the change now, it's like he does a fantastic job yeah. of posting up right now. Um, well, I, he, he I also think he can continue to get better. He also does a great job of facing up and taking the ball to the basket uh, better than I think maybe anybody I've seen at Boise State where, I mean, he – you know, he goes in there and finishes and finishes strong. Uh, you know, he's going to see double teams again. They didn't double team as much. You know, yeah. it wasn't as noticeable this week as it was last. You know, the last couple of games. He's going to have to still get better at that. I mean, I, I think we'll see that. I don't know if we'll see that against Fresno, but I'm sure we'll see that at some point later in the year. I'll tell you what. Um, if he uh, keeps shooting 100 percent from behind the three point line, he'll be unstoppable. <laughs> yeah, let, let, let's 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 not make that. I'd rather have him inside. So I don't mind him taking a couple and and big ones when they when the game dictates it. But 
if I got a three-pointer to make at the end of the game, I got some other guys I'm yeah. handing the ball to first. We'll take a break here. 8.53. It is Bronco Monday. Bob Beeler with us on the road once again, getting ahead, uh, ready for tomorrow night's game against uh, Fresno, which you will hear on KBOI. We'll take a break when we come back. We'll take a look at what's ahead for the week, how important the week is once again, and we'll also take a look at the uh, Mountain West plus computer ratings as we start to look ahead to March Madness. Now back to Bronco Monday on your flagship for Bronco basketball. News Talk, KBOI. Bob Beeler with us uh, once again. It is Bronco Monday. Uh, Bob, why don't you take us through the uh, Mountain West standings as they are right now heading into this week. Uh, Utah State 5-1. and one. They have the midweek bye. Boise State 4-1. and one. They will be at Fresno State tomorrow. So a win there and they'll set up a showdown for Saturday, 2 o'clock in Extra Mile Arena. New Mexico, San Diego State are four and two. Wyoming, Colorado State are three and two. And how about this? Nevada has lost three straight after losing to Wyoming on Saturday. They now find themselves at two and three. Fresno State team that we'll see tomorrow night one and four in conference play. They've been outscored by an average of twelve a game in conference. Computers, the the Boise State loss uh, to UNLV midweek made them take a little bit of a tumble. They're sitting at uh, the 50 spot right now. San Diego still at 20, New Mexico 24, Colorado State 27, Utah State 28, Boise State 50. 50 is sort of, if you believe the computers have a direct correlation to the NCAA bids, you probably still have a little work to do. Um, you also look at the quad one uh, wins, and in the past, if you have a team, you know, with four or more quad one wins, um, usually made, means you made it in as an at large. And Boise State's going to have plenty of time to get more quad one wins. Now, some of those may change, like Nevada. If Nevada keeps losing, that won't be a quad one win anymore. <laughs> um, however, and UNLV, UNLV, if they win some games, may be you know I'll, may get into the quad two. Or whatever, yeah, I'll so. tell you what, they look like they could beat anybody on any, yeah. any given night. Um, yeah. Not consistent, but that's a tough team there yeah, too. It so, is. all it right, is. you're right. And and, I, and one of my bones of contention, you, I think you should get credit for whatever right. the team looked like at the time, because if you have yep. somebody get hurt or roster changes, thank you, Bob. We're going to talk to you tomorrow up on for your Google Play. Simply say, hey Google, play 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 905, good morning, and thanks for listening in. Remember, you can always do more than just listen in by being a part of the show. Calling us up at 208 336 pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. You can email us, Chris. KBY.com, Mike at KBY.com. Also, text us, same as our uh, main number. One of the subjects we were talking about, and we got some emails in on this, um, talking about the age of our candidates. As of right now, unless something crazy happens, uh, our next president of the United States is either going to be 78 or 82 when they take office in uh, next year after the election. Nikki Haley's still a part of that. Ron DeSantis, uh, in case you didn't know, has dropped out as of yesterday. Yeah, the 45-year-old dropped out. That really brought the average down, didn't it? Yeah. Um, so we're just asking, and part of the reason uh, of this came up, we've, we've been critical of uh, Joe Biden in the past. For instance, uh, a week or so ago, we were critical of the fact that, you know, he's multiple times has basically said that he is uh, responsible. He started the civil rights movement, which is, of course, we all know is not true. He was 11 years old at the time. He's even in the past said himself that he didn't 
have much to do with the civil rights movement. He didn't march or anything like that. But in one of his campaign speeches, he said that we've been critical of some of the um, things we don't we don't know if he doesn't remember that he didn't take part in the civil rights movement because of his age or if he's just lying. We don't know. He might have started it in Delaware. Not at 11. I don't know what they were. <laughs> I don't know what they were doing in Delaware at that time. So, um, so <laughs> we're we're. In all fairness, you have to be critical when Donald Trump, in a campaign speech, makes a big gaffe. Now, this particular gaffe that he made, I want you to take a listen to it. Um, if he had just said this once, probably wouldn't even been talking about this today. Never reports the crowd, you know. By the way, they never report the crowd on January 6th. You know, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, you know, they, did you know they destroyed all of the information, all of the evidence, everything, deleted and destroyed all of it, all of it. Because of lots of things, like Nikki. Um, once again, if he would just have said Nikki Haley and then went on and talked about Nancy Pelosi, who was the person that he was actually talking about, Nikki Haley had nothing to do with January 6th, um, we wouldn't probably be talking about this. However, he mentioned that Nikki Haley was in charge of what happened uh, with security on January 6th more than half a dozen times. So it's not just a, a one mental issue on on this particular thing there could be a lot of things going into it now keep in mind when you're giving speeches you're also reading off a teleprompter so was the teleprompter wrong i don't know was he ignoring the teleprompter i don't know he uh when he does make a gaffe it it does seem to be when he's ad-libbing yeah uh, email ends. Uh, Mike at KBY.com says, I'm extremely disappointed in you. To attempt to make Trump look unfit for the presidency is beneath you. Trump is being forced into courtroom after courtroom. He's making campaign stop after campaign stop. Press and media appointments flying from one side of the country to the other. Attending rallies nonstop. Using Haley's name continually. And you're going to use his misspeaking, his defaulting to the frequently used name as an attempt to question his ability to be president. What's wrong with you? Um, once again, he didn't misspeak. If you misspeak, you, you do it one time. No big deal. Like I said, we wouldn't be talking about this if he had just done it one time and then went on to talk about Nancy Pelosi. You would go, oh, okay, because he is campaigning against Nikki Haley. Um, he, he did it more than half a dozen times. He never did correct himself and talk about Nancy Pelosi. He only talked about how Nikki Haley was responsible for what happened on January 6th. And and to be fair, once again, if you criticize Joe Biden for claims that he makes, like I said, the civil starting the civil rights movement, then it's only also fair to criticize some of the things that Trump says. And the this isn't a big deal. If if Donald Trump and Joe Biden were in their 60s, nobody would be talking about their age right now. Yeah, they'd just be saying, "Wow, they don't seem to have very good memories." Uh, Jan in uh, Boise says, good morning. It's so interesting when Biden makes a goof in speaking, I hear, oh, he is an idiot, too old, a buffoon. When Trump makes a big speaking goof, oh, he's tired. Oh, he's speaking all day. Campaigning is tough and tiring. I'm nervous about Biden or Trump leading the nation through a war or even the everyday stress. And that was Jan in Boise. That's why we asked a little bit earlier, um, out of anybody that you know, can you come up with somebody you personally know? By the way, just to Jan, if you watch MSNBC, it's the exact opposite. They think uh, Trump is an idiot and that Biden is tired. <laughs> um, can, you, can you come up with somebody you know who st- would just pick an age at 78 that you would say, okay, 
We've had one person who's called in and said they would be happy to have somebody over the age of 78 has the mental acuity. And not just that, but you have to have the physical stamina to hold up against that. Um, here's one, and I totally agree with this, especially after watching a um, video of his latest concert. Mick Jagger at 80 could handle being president, still physically fit and mentally sharp. Uh, I don't know if you had seen, somebody had posted it on uh, Twitter, formerly X, of him at his latest concert. Um, he looks just as spry today as he did when he was 70. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, he doesn't uh, tend to forget lyrics. No, and he, I mean, he is still. he's been singing since 1963. He is still, and he's almost the age of my mom. If my mom went out like that, she would break a hip. Yeah. He is still jumping, dancing, well, a lot and, of, and moving just a, as well as he had for the past A lot of 40-year-olds, if they tried to do Mick Jagger's moves, would yeah, break well, a hip. Yeah, that's true, too. Uh, another uh, text message in. Um, I haven't paid attention to his physicalness and getting around. Warren Buffett at 93, though. Um, still a CEO of one of the most successful, you know, funds, Berkshire Hathaway. So, um, he hasn't given up. He hasn't retired at 93. Uh, mental acuity is definitely there and he's 93. Producer uh, Derek looked this up. In the United States, there isn't a one size fits all retirement age, but the average tends to hover around 64 to 66 years, which I would call 65. Several uh, key ages factor into this average. For instance, 62 is the earliest age Americans can claim Social Security benefits, although doing so reduces the monthly payout. Another text message, um, no name on this, says they have a mandatory retirement age requirement for the military. They believe a person is no longer fit to serve after 60. So, yes, I believe there should be a mandatory retirement age placed on our leaders as well. Uh, Tom in Boise says it would be interesting to see how close the poll numbers match the actual vote counts for Iowa and New Hampshire. Many people like yourself talk about the polls, but you never hear how close the polls were. Once in a while you do. Uh, another like, text- for instance, when they're way off, you hear about it. Yeah. Another uh, text message. If Haley is serious about removing the Biden administration, she should end her campaign immediately. There's absolutely no chance that Haley beats Trump in the primary, and everyone knows it. She could pick up every DeSantis voter and still lose to Trump. All the big donors may want Haley, but unfortunately for them, voters don't agree with them. I, I'm going to say right now, if Haley does not come in first in New Hampshire... And her own state. And if she gets beat, uh, right now in New Hampshire, it's fairly close. But if she gets beat by 20 points like or worse, like what happened in Iowa, in her own state, if she loses to Trump by 30, I think you're going to see her drop out <laughs> before Super yeah, if, Tuesday in March. If she doesn't get a very good South Carolina showing, you're probably right. I think that somebody's going to sit down with her, just like Ron DeSantis um, in his speech yesterday saying they've done all the math, they've tried any way they could, and they could not find a way forward to be able to win the nomination. No matter how much, he said, if he, if he could stop and talk to every single person and spend um, as much money as he needed to, he said that pathway is not there, and that was the reason he was uh, dropping out. Billy C. says Ron DeSanctimonious has dropped out of the Republican presidential race <laughs> and decided to kiss the ring. Kindergarten Don said he will not call him names anymore. What a nice toddler he is. Yeah, that's the first time I've heard Kindergarten Don. I That probably won't catch on, but it, it's, you know, 
Once again, part of this, and I said this last week in my prediction that he would be dropping out soon, doesn't necessarily all have to do with he doesn't see a pathword forward. I mean, there's been plenty of people who have no pathword to win a primary and continue fighting and continue campaigning. However, Ron DeSantis is in a completely different situation than most of those people in that he right now looking ahead to four years from now is the leader um of the election pick or the pick by the gop in the election um in four years so if you want to be that strong leader you want to be uh, the the person that they're going to look towards in four years because i don't think even if trump loses i don't think he's going to run in four years he'll be the same age as biden i was going to say barring scandal but uh I shouldn't the last 10 years. So the more scandals you have, the more likely <laughs> yeah, you are to free, win. Free publicity, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think Ron DeSantis in this particular instance is looking towards his future. Um, because I, I'll guarantee you, I don't have any inside knowledge, but I will guarantee you people within the GOP are saying, look, you can't win this thing. You're only hurting the party. We have to get a Republican in the White House. That looks like it's going to be Donald Trump. You have to fall in line, and you have to endorse Donald Trump. And we will sit there and give you all the tools and everything you need in four years to be the leading candidate for the uh, GOP. And I, I think that's part of the reason why he's also making this choice. Do you, do you think they're actually saying that to him, or do you think that they're just praying somebody better comes along? No, I guarantee they're saying that to him. Okay. Guarantee he's being told that right now. I mean... For all intents and purposes, if you look at it right now, Trump is by, he is the leader of the Republican Party right now. Um, after being president, um, if he is elected or even if he isn't elected and not going to be running, they're going to be looking to another leader of the Republican Party. Who is that going to be? And Ron DeSantis, as of right now, well, whoever, Nikki Haley, they're, they're going to be uh, the, the front runners to lead that party. Whoever wins this, uh, assuming it's, it's Trump and Biden, whoever wins this election, they'll be finished. Because they won't be yeah, able to uh, right. be president anymore after that. Now, Trump could still be if he doesn't win. I just don't think at that point people are going to have the same problem with him as they have with Biden. He's going to be 82 years old when he runs. If he if he loses this time and wants to run again, which he legally can, but he's he's going to be. There's only one time that uh, a political party has ever uh, nominated the same person four times, and that was uh, Roosevelt. And part of that was because he just kept winning. Yeah. We'll take a break, 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. If you want to get in, you want to weigh in, you can also email Chris at KBOI.com and Mike at KBOI.com. The Great One, Mark Levin, tonight at 7. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 921-208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Email us, mike at kbui.com, chris at kbui.com. Before we get to some of those uh, emails and phone calls, we have breaking news this morning on uh, Trump's damage trial uh, in the Gene Carroll case. A juror on his way to court informed the judge that he wasn't feeling well, and so the judge told that juror to go home and take a COVID test. Simultaneous to that, Defense attorney Alina Haba said one or both of her parents had COVID. She was exposed to them at a dinner three days ago. So the judge called off the trial for the day, instructed everybody to go home and take COVID tests and report back. <laughs> well, there's some new news for you. Shouldn't be too controversial. Nobody's ever, like, you know, picketed uh, about uh, taking the test. 
just wearing the mask and, and getting the uh, injections. Be interesting to see um, because these people have been around each other. One person already has tested positive for COVID, and uh, the Trump lawyer has been around people with COVID. So uh, it will be interesting to see how long this could possibly um, cause a uh, stoppage of the case. But as of today, it has been postponed at least for today. Everybody told to go home and take a COVID test and report back. (coughs) Just kidding. Uh, Rich in Boise, listening on 670 AM this morning. Good morning. You're on Newstalk KBOI. Well, good morning. Well, you know, I I brought up that I watch the debates in the town halls, or I watch most of them anyway. Uh, But the thing is, the next morning... I can never remember a single thing Ron DeSantis says because he's so nondescript. I mean, he is just—he's just a terrible politician. Well, like milk, and, milk toast, you mean? Yeah, he, I mean, it, the only thing I remember, you know, he—he he woke. He—that's kind of his whole thing—is woke, and 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 woke was just about women. Uh, you know, getting their rights and not being harassed in the workplace and stuff. So I don't know what's so bad about that. But uh, yeah, I I I don't think that I don't think that he would be a serious contender for the presidency. Uh, Nikki Haley, on the other hand, would be. You know, in these first few states, you know, I, they always you know New Hampshire and Iowa. Uh, they really shouldn't be the states determining how the country votes or not even a cross section of the country. But, no, but uh, it is know, surprising it, how much um, power given to those first three though. Yeah, it, 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 it is, but and that, that, that's why I think they should change it. Well, the, I think the Democrats did, they don't, uh, they don't have caucuses or primaries in Iowa first anymore. How different but, would it be if they, California was first? Well, you, you don't want to go either way. You know how California would go. You, you would, you would, if you really wanted to determine, uh, you would go with like uh, maybe Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona. You know, maybe even Georgia. You know, some of the states that are some of the the real the true purple states. Uh, mm-hmm. That would that would give you a real indication of what the country wants, instead of just you know putting somebody on us that, uh, you know, I mean, Iowa, I mean, that's just, that's just a white evangelical religious conservative state. And whoever talks most about Jesus generally kind of wins that state. So that's, that's not really a representation of all. And as long as they say positive things. Yeah. New Hampshire is kind of the opposite way. It's Democrats. They're both poor states to pick, to, to decide who yeah. is going to be nominated for president. I would, you know, I, you know in talking about De- DeSantis, um, I, I would even agree with you somewhat um, in that if he would not have had the huge success, you know, when you, you say not a good politician, um, he took a state that, you know, used to be blue and then, you know, pretty purple and completely uh, helped to turn it uh, red in the last election, he had seventy three percent of the uh, vote in the uh, vote for governor. Uh, if he wouldn't have had that success, I'm not sure if you would have seen him running for president. But I think he was so successful that he was kind of forced into it ahead of probably maybe before he wanted to. Well, Trump really kind of 
I mean, Florida's been going red for a long time. Uh, but that was and, a big, and, you know, big jump in the last election. Yeah, and then, and then in the 216, it went for Trump more, more Republican than it had for a long time. But yeah, he he succeeded in his state, and he was, you know, he he had his one-liners. He had woke, anti-Disney, and COVID. But I don't think that now. If Nick, Nikki Haley is the one that I'm afraid of, I, I mean, if she was the Republican nominee, I think it would be a landslide election, and not you know a real landslide election, not what the Conan went. It'd be like like the Reagan or the, right. the Bush landslide. You mean, you mean I, if she I, if it were her against Biden, like Reagan over Mondale, that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. I I I I think. I mean. I've always really liked her, except, you know, now she's saying she'll pardon Trump and she doesn't even know what the evidence is against him. Uh, but, uh, you know, other than that, she's out there. She's at least has character and, and she is charismatic. And I, I think, I think she would clean up. I think even if it, I, I think she'd clean up against any Democrat or any Republican. Well, as of as of right now, the uh, polling sure shows that in, in a head-to-head meeting. Um, she, the last polling that I saw, she's 12 points ahead of Biden in a head-to-head matchup. More than DeSantis was, more than Trump was. All three of them would be ahead of uh, Biden, but she was by far the uh, biggest, uh, would have the biggest advantage. Thanks for the phone call. I uh, need to take a break. 208-336-3700. Alan 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Broadcasting from the Auto Ranch Group Studios on 93.1 FM and 670 AM, we are News Talk KBOI. Nine thirty-five. Uh, phone lines are open at two zero eight three three six thirty seven hundred pound six seventy on your Verizon wireless. If you want to get in this morning, you can also email Chris at kboi dot com, Mike at kboi dot com. Uh, another subject that I want to talk about uh, that happened on Friday: Idaho's parole board tasked itself Friday with making a pivotal choice during a clemency hearing for Thomas Creech. Creech is the state's longest-serving death row prisoner. Does a man convicted of five murders across three states, including three right here in Idaho, who claims immense remorse after nearly 50 years of incarceration, deserve to be spared from execution? That's the question. The Commission of Pardons and Paroles decision may come down to which of two distinct narratives they believe from portraits painted by each side about 73-year-old Thomas Creech. Is he the contemplative and contrite friend and mentor following decades in prison that is defense presented in court, or the manipulative charmer who used to claim he killed dozens of people with reckless abandon even after he was incarcerated, as prosecutors asserted on Friday? The parole board, after both sides presented their case, immediately went into executive session at the end of their public portion of the hearing. It wasn't clear if they would cast their votes uh, on Friday or whether to grant his request to reduce his sentence to life uh, in prison. The ruling will be posted, they said, at some as-yet-to-be-determined date. That'll be be interesting. I mean... uh First of all, I mean, everything he did has now been, you know, the first one was 50 years ago. The last one was 40 years ago. 
And the people, it's kind of surprising the people that came to his defense. Now, Federal Defender Services of Idaho um, said Ada County Deputy Prosecutor Joe Longhurst labeled him a sociopath. And he has a long history of violence. But in Creech's Corner was a diverse group of advocates who spoke up on his behalf. One of them even included the uh, judge who sentenced Creech to death. Really? Commissioner Mike Matthews, who led the meeting, acknowledged Creech was very fortunate to even receive the hearing at all. Um, I didn't realize this. This is just the third of its kind in Idaho for a death row prisoner since capital punishment was reestablished in the state after 1976 U.S. Supreme Court ruling. Yeah, after Gary Gilmore. Creech's list of supporters came from unlikely places, including several former state prison workers, two of whom showed up to offer in-person testimony. One current corrections officer was also who also showed up on Friday, a former state representative, and even the Ada County judge, as we'd mentioned, who handed him the death penalty for beating and stomping to death prisoner David Dale Jansen in 1981. Well, that just sounds bad, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Stomping him to death, and that and that's just it. As he has admitted to killing multiple yeah. people, the fact it's amazing that he even got this clemency hearing. Um, we had told you, I think I had told you last week about one of the people who basically spoke in his defense, a former person who worked at the um, prison, and she had told the prison guards, she said, "If anything ever happens while I am in there." And you end up having to do a lockdown if a mm-hmm. riot starts or people are able to get out. She said she'd go to his cell. First place, he goes, you will find me in Thomas Creech's cell because I know he will protect me. Wow. Now, it doesn't matter fully what happens here. Um, a majority vote is needed among the seven-member parole board in favor of granting Creech a reduced sentence to remove the death penalty. So, I mean, it doesn't have to be 100%. Well, it just has to be a majority. I mean, you remove the death penalty, he still has life in prison. Yeah, and, and he is 71. And, and he's also sick. He is, and he is 71, which means I mean, in 10 more years, he'll be able to run for president. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Um, even if they do recommend to take away the death penalty, talking about the panel, um, that's not the end of it because then the recommendation funnels then to Governor Brad Little, who has authority and final say on clemency right. decisions. And you will remember the last person that was uh, that went through this um, was approved for clemency, and Governor Brad Little denied that clemency, even though the um, panel had voted, the majority had voted that he should be, he should receive clemency. So this, all this could be for not, even if he does win, the governor could say, nope, yeah. I don't, I, I don't, don't agree so. with it. Um, your thoughts. I'm just curious as to your thoughts. We got, we got about 20 minutes left in the show. Um, this is, this is somebody, I mean, the heinousness of the crimes that he has committed are horrible. But do you think that, you know, he, he claims he's a changed man, he, that he is deep remorse for everything that he has done. Um, do you think that he should be granted clemency? I mean, there's a lot of other writing factors in this. As Chris mentioned, he's sick. Mm-hmm. He, he's probably not going to live a long time in prison anyway. Um, 
at this point, it's like six one half dozen the other. Yeah. If if they decide, okay, no, we're going to uh, still proceed with uh, the execution. I mean, the execution might still be a long time from now. That's another way to look at it too, because even even if they do say, all right, we think clemency, and then governor comes back and says, nope, no clemency, he is still going to be put to death. We we still haven't put anybody to death for decades. So even though then he goes back on it's, death row, there what were, are the chances of him yeah, actually being there were a couple about killed. there were a couple about twenty years ago, because uh, I think we've only had what maybe four since uh, it was reinstated, right? I believe so. Idaho. Uh, Dale, listening uh, in this morning. Dale, where are you listening from? I'm at the uh, Idaho State Correctional Center south of Boise. Hey, Dale. Hello. Now, um, uh, do you work there, or are you uh, station? Are, are you are you being held there? I'm being confined here. I uh, spent ten years myself on death row here in Idaho, mm-hmm. and uh, I was my sentences were I was actually resentenced to two fixed life sentences to replace the death penalty by Judge uh, Stegner out of Latal County, which is Moscow. Dale, what do you think about uh, Creech's situation? Well, I know him, and uh, because his situation is uh, in front of the parole board, I, uh, you know, Mom kind of said, if you don't have anything good to say about someone, don't say anything at all. So at this point, I'm not going to say anything at all. <laughs> oh, I, uh, I, I think that's by a little not different than anything, the people who work there. Yeah, I think by not saying anything at all, you're kind of saying a lot. Well, yeah, and and the thing is about. Unless it's changed since uh, since my death penalty death, excuse me death penalties uh, were were changed to fixed life sentences, the prisoners on death row are actually held in solitary confinement, and uh, they they do not actually interact with staff other than through a door. Is that right? Or or maybe through recreation. So a lot of these officers and case managers and things who actually uh, speak with death row prisoners are doing so while they're handcuffed and leg ironed and, and or, or tied to a floor or a table somewhere. Do you think some of these people have just expressed their opinion because they're against the death penalty altogether? I, I believe that to be the case, yes. Yeah. I, you know, as odd as it sounds and ironic as it sounds, uh, I, I actually am for the death penalty. And in fact, right now I'm, I'm working on a, an issue where I think that people who have sentences of, of life without parole or what the Idaho is called fixed life should have the opportunity to be executed because in effect life without parole is a death penalty so how did you get your death penalty how did you get clemency in your with your death penalty and had it turn over well mine wasn't actually clemency I had to be resentenced because the judge rather than the jury uh, made the determination of fact of, of an aggravating factor, and there was a decision out of Arizona that, by the U.S. Supreme Court called uh, Ring versus Arizona that said that juries, not judges, uh, have to make that decision. And the judge, in my case, as I mentioned, made the decision uh, that the aggravating factor existed, and the state of Idaho actually agreed, the Idaho Supreme Court agreed that the jury did not find an aggravating factor. So question, that, question for sorry, you, Dale, do, do you feel 
that your case should have received clemency and been turned over, overturned. Sorry. Uh, clemency? No, I don't think so. I, I I do apply for commutation right now every year because when they everything when I was originally sentenced everything was run concurrent. In other words, all the sentences were run together. Right. And when I was resentenced, the same judge who because his case his, he was overturned. Uh, actually resentenced me to life sentences that were consecutive. In other words, they run back-to-back, and I'm trying to get those consolidated again. Uh, It won't have any practical difference, but I I don't think that clemency would be the vehicle that that I would have applied for to to get off of death row. Got it. Dale, thank you for the call. I just, uh, before we let you go, we're up on time here. Um, we have an email and ask the question, how the heck are the prisoners allowed to call into a radio show? Um, do you just have use? You have so many minutes you can use and you can call whoever you want? We, can, we have uh, telephones. I'm in general population. We have telephones that uh, we can use to call the public. We have to prepay the call, or the yeah. person on the other end has to accept the call, but okay. I typically prepay. What is the most listened-to radio station uh, out there? At least for me, it's KBOI. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Dale. Thank you for taking a few minutes uh, and uh, filling us in. Appreciate it. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. We'll take a break. One more segment on the way. Final chance to get through if you want to do that. Now's the time to do it. Be a part of the show at 336-3700 or toll-free 1-800-529-KBOI. Now, back to Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. 951, uh, the Idaho Parole Board mulling over a clemency for the longest-serving death row prisoner. Had a hearing on uh, Friday. We're talking about that. Thomas Creech, do you think he should receive clemency? Now, he's not. Get, it doesn't mean he's getting out of prison. He will still have the death penalty in the fact that he will never leave prison alive. However, uh, he won't be put to death. And, I mean, we've had a number of times that he has already been tried to put to death and, for whatever reasons, um, couldn't get the correct dosages of medicine used to put somebody to death, uh, various other reasons. Um, We're just asking the question. No right or wrong answers here. Um, here's one uh, email. Mike at KBOI.com says, I think Creech is getting away with it every day he is still alive. Once again, the firing squad's a legal form of execution in Idaho, and you can't tell me they can't find a bullet. Be done with it already. Getting away with it, not completely, though, because, I mean, he is still in prison. Um, here's one, and this person makes a great point. No name on this uh, email, Mike at KBOI.com. The only people that should be asked if Creech should continue to uh, live is the victim's family. And as far as I know, I don't even think they were a part of the hearing. And I think those those people that, that they're still living people of the victims of Thomas Creech's murders should be asked, Does, do you think he deserves clemency? They're always allowed to make a statement at, at the end, you know, when the when the sentencing is happening. But, uh, of course, I mean, the judge can take that into consideration or not. That's yeah. up to them. Bill in uh, CUNA listening in on 670 AM this morning. Good morning. You're on News Talk KBOI. Uh, good morning. How are you guys? Good. Well, I uh, 23 years in the prison system. I was a lieutenant when I left. The guy you just had on was a jailhouse lawyer. Uh, he, he should have been put down. The guy you're talking about should be put down. What you should be doing is going over what, the, what they did to the human beings. The victims are always forgotten here. You get uh, 
uh, one of these guys on the air, and you can tell he's a jailhouse lawyer. He probably sits in the law library every day, which is paid for, very expensive, which is paid for uh, by the taxpayers. Uh, these guys sit in there. They help others. But a death row inmate needs to be put down. The cost of a death row, the only thing that's more expensive in the prison system is the juvenile system. But the death row inmates, it's so major expensive uh, for them to uh, take care of this guy and let him eat. He doesn't deserve it. So what did the guy do? How, what, how many murders did he do? Well, he claims, the one you're talking he about? claims uh, 50. He's been oh, okay. he's been he's been convicted of five murders across three states, but he does say that you know he's killed a lot of other people. Oh, he's changed. Yeah. Well, like I said, if you want to know if a convict's lying, just watch his lips. Okay. The point is, one murder is enough if it's if it's uh, hideous, unless it's a you know there's some circumstances there that it occurred, manslaughter or whatever. Second degree. But, yeah. Let me, let me ask you this before we're up on time, uh, Bill, as somebody who has worked in the uh, prison system for uh, many, many years. Do you ever think anybody on death row ever receives uh, should receive clemency? No, not if they've okay. been through a process. No, they don't. They, All right. they, they put them down. Put them down. All right. For the state I came from, we used to hang them. And that's just the way it is. That's called deterrence. That's what it is. All right. Uh, thank you very much for the call and your thoughts this morning. I, I, I wish he would have been more straightforward and not so wishy-washy. Mm. Bill wrote in, and he, this is kind of weird. He says, do you know the number one group that is executed uh, the most often in this country? Texans. Just because Texas, you know, executes prisoners. Well, not just executes prisoners, but in Texas you have uh, ex- expedited <laughs> yeah. uh, executions also. That's about all the time we uh, have for today. We can talk a little bit more about this tomorrow. If you wish, keep the emails coming in, chris at kboi.com or mike at kboi.com. Other than that, we're on a 20-hour break. We'll talk to you tomorrow.